pinkies up and welcome to high tea with monsters rebel scum and vigilantes on this the last week of the mandalorian season one we'll recap the episode with our guest star wars expert steven garrett so let's talk mandalorian episode eight after a cliffhanger penultimate episode which seems to be the trend in television lately mm-hmm. we now know the most important detail for the the public at large is that Uh, The child (laughs) has lived to see another day. But so much more, both fan service and legacy or, you know, kind of Star Wars lore happened. Uh, And I want to pick your brain on a couple of things that are deeper than my knowledge. But just in general, now that season one is wrapped up, what was your impression as a whole of the first season ever? Yeah, overall, I, I loved it quite a bit. Um, I think it was a solid outing and certainly sets the tone for future Star Wars. And and I feel confident, at least with the creative team that they've assembled, that there were a couple like Rocky episodes and things that were, you know, pretty like kind of predictable, your typical like kind of Western gunsmoky kind of episodes that they had. But overall, um, I'd say at least half the episodes were were really really strong so yeah i overall i i i loved it and i think that now that they've kind of probably gotten a sense of what worked and what didn't from even an audience perspective and usually like first seasons can kind of be a little rocky as they kind of try to find their footing yeah i'm pumped for season two which they've announced will be in the fall of 2020 so we have that to look forward to and that's uh, so, so long <laughs> i know yeah, it is. It is. It is kind of super long to wait, but we're, we've got uh, Clone Wars uh, coming out in February, um, and then I don't know when. I know twenty twenty they're going to production for Obi Wan. I don't know when that's launching, and I and I don't know what the plan is for Cassian in terms of their like timeline. But I'm sure we'll find out at Celebration or at. Disney would be Disney 24. One of those two, they'll they'll give us a nice uh, timeline, I'm sure, of their rollout plan. First, let's talk behind the camera a little bit, including writing. And then let's talk performances. John Favreau, this is, I think this is his first television directorial debut. If we're excluding his, like, chef oh, show. Oh, I am. Yeah, I'm excluding that. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's so used to the format of the cinematic achievements, you know, that are action films. They're they're either action films or they're since his, you know, swingers days. It's sort of like Marvel characters that are beloved or Disney stories which are beloved. So he's got, you know, the Jungle Book and Lion King and then he's got um all of the Iron Man series both in front of him behind the camera so how do you rate overall the decisions that he's made in the executive producer role in the choices he's made so I guess it's like four or five different directors so how do you think that work tying that together with such strong individual directors under one sort of guiding force which was John Favreau who's you know one of the biggest fanboys of Star Wars of us all I guess how would you grade that component 
the consistency and continuity of the series with so many different people at the helm. I think overall, he did a pretty good job of his with their like writing team, which I think there's I want to say like four of them wrote as well along with him in, in terms of show running everything. I, I feel like overall, everything felt pretty cohesive. And I think the score was was so fantastic and really and as well as ever the way everything was shot to had a very similar kind of feel um the world kind of had that everything seemed like they had the brightness a little turned down a little bit muted throughout and so i feel like overall the vision of of throughout all the directors rick fema yua deborah deborah chow taika watiti dave filoni bryce dallas howard and then of course uh john favreau too so yeah i i think overall his vision was was pretty solid and i think the tone was also very clear and the character arcs like nothing felt like out of place in terms of like choices that the mandalorian made or like any of the other recurring characters throughout the show so I overall feel pretty, uh, I think they did a, a really good job. And now having watched, I think, all the episodes at least t- two to three times. Like, even the ones where I was a little iffy on. Like, I felt the same way about after seeing the Avengers, the first Avengers film. Like, I didn't really care for Thor as a character. But then after seeing the Avengers, I was like, oh, I love Thor now. And then also then I liked the Thor movie because of that. I didn't like Thor or Thor the Dark World until Ragnarok. I credit Taika Waititi with making that character work. Now when I go back, I feel the same way that you did after seeing Avengers now about Thor, where I'm like, oh, he's such a pompous egomaniac in like the first few movies until I think in the Dark world of finale or no still then oh for sure like they're they're some of my least favorite of of the marvel films but the character i feel like of thor really came to life because of the benefit of seeing him in avengers and i kind of feel the same way about the mandalorian in this case as well so some of the some of the like fan servicey stuff like i really don't care care for a lot of that like i get it's really gets old to me and and i'm sure we'll talk about that in rise of skywalker i i especially i think the first three episodes and the last two and i and i liked the like seven samurai one as well that bryce tales howard did but i feel like the those first three are such a clear narrative arc and then we really get a continuation of that it's really like five episodes you know that really are i feel like that take place for the most part on Navarro. For me, the episodes that worked the best were where we revisited some of the characters that we already knew. So the the characters who get the most screen time other than the armorer, which is, I mean, I don't mean by minutes, I mean like presence in the episode, right? So I think she's in five or four episodes. Cara Dune is in three episodes uh the client is you know kind of in three or four uh-huh. uh quill sorry uh-huh. quill is um i guess in four as well so other than mando and now we have a name too for mando which is right. Din Djarin? Din Djarin, yeah. Din Djarin, yeah. 
Yeah, it's a, it it's a, it feels like a, a good name for him. It's just um it's weird to have a name for him having called him Mando for so long. But then there was an episode right. in in this episode somebody called the Armorer Mando. So I was like, well, you just go around calling every Mandalorian by the same nickname. That's kind of lame. I get the I get the sense that it's kind of a derog- a derogatory slur. I feel like the episodes that work the best, the characters, the standalone, like, one-episode presence characters, like his creepy ex-girlfriend and even Bill Burr's character, who I wanted to find something likable about and couldn't... I don't know. I feel like the episodes that worked the best were the ones where we had repeat character appearances. So I was really happy when he... Like, I kind of felt like episodes... Six, you could have just he could have just left episode five and gone to Cara Dune and been like hey help me protect this kid because I stuck at it by myself or yeah. gone back to Queel and been like hey like you're real good at this I'm real bad at this so uh, those though I feel like they almost left us ha- hanging uh when it came to Fennec Shand on Tatooine that to me like a little bit those ones where it's like you you get all invested in a character for 34 minutes or the widow and you're like oh well i don't know if that person's coming back you kind of understood that gina carano is going to come back yeah because we see it in the we saw we saw her in some of the trailers for shots that were like oh we didn't just like i knew quill was going to come back because there was a shot with them all in the cockpit together i think in a trailer and i'm like okay so we're gonna we're gonna see these folks again and with IG, um, what is it, IG-11? You weren't sure, but you kind of thought. But I like, I really like, I loved the, like, newly reprogrammed version of him. I thought that was a really cool. Oh, it was the nurse, the nurse, what is he? I'm the nurse, nurse protector. I, I, that was hysterical. And it was a really tidy package, too, around how to be able to view him with his mask off was something that only we and a droid saw after. The irony of that after his whole season with, like, I hate droids worked really nicely. So, but I thought that was really neat because I was curious the whole time, are we going to see Pedro Pascal? And I find him to be a pretty attractive guy, but I was like, ugh. Oh, like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that was not, that was not cute um no, the version of him we yeah. saw yeah and are, like the one question and i need to rewatch that fennec shand episode is, is that we still don't know who that, that was yeah is that is that moff gideon i th- i still think it's boba fett which would be I, i'd be happy with that and I think that's worth waiting till season two, right? Because you're not going to take a high stakes, we brought him back from the dead kind of standpoint if, if the show fails miserably. It seems like it's the most popular show on streaming right now. So bring that back. And can we get like a 13 episode? Yeah, please? many of them. I think the ones that we talked about being sort of our favorites. I, I would watch like the second it came out and then rewatch again immediately for like episodes uh four five seven and eight like i couldn't get enough so and three three was pretty awesome too and and obviously one and two i've watched like i watched by myself twice and then watched with my husband who hadn't watched it yet the first time so well i look forward to that when it's out next fall i'm so sad that we have to wait that long and i wish that it was like you i wish it was longer and i wish they were 60 minute episodes but i think this was a completely new experiment even as far as concerned streaming television and just a plus uh 
overall score for me because even where it fell short in individual episodes the performances were so strong having to learn how to act with a mask on the entire time body language and voice acting like bravo to pedro pascal and i love seeing like gina carano as the muscle character in this having a woman as the muscle yeah she's she's awesome yeah, everything, and then finding out that she's from Alderaan. I know. Oh my god, my heart was like, <gasps> and um, she. I tweeted about the episode at three thirty-five when I finished watching it because it came out at two thirty a.m. Central. Okay. Which is earlier than usual. I kept refreshing my Disney Plus. Like, come on! And as soon as I finished watching it, she liked the tweet. Because she was up waiting to watch it. She also has two uh, flat-faced dogs. So I was like, I just love her even more now. So. And that brings to a close our Mandalorian Season 1 recap episode. Thanks again to Stephen Garrett, our guest. Some big news for the show. You can now subscribe on Apple Podcasts in addition to SoundCloud. You can become a patron of the show on Patreon. We encourage you to do all of those and to give us some five-star ratings if you would please. The theme song is composed by Dylan McKenzie. I'm Brett Ashley, your host, the writer, and producer of the show. Pinkies up and remember what the Mandalorian always says about his tea. I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in-